0: Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly, challenging as well. I wanna invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch Church Online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. When you begin a church, you start for one singular reason. At least you're supposed to. You don't begin a church because you want to be a better church than the other churches in your community. You don't start a church because you want to have a platform or because you think your preaching skills are better than everyone at the previous church you went to. You start a church for one reason, and that's to reach the lost, to fulfill God's mission. That's why we started Swerve Church. We wanted to plant a life-giving, gospel-centered work that would lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, throughout this series, we've been expressing the desire to be deeply formed this new year. Paul spoke about this deep yearning for the Galatians to have Christ formed in them. Jesus gave us the example of a vine and branches in John 15, where he mentions that in order for us to bear fruit, we must remain connected to him, that he is the vine that sustains us. And this is what I want for myself. This is what I want for you. And I hope that this is what you want for yourself as well. That together we might be deeply formed by Christ. That we might live connected to Jesus. That we might genuinely pursue Him, know Him, and be known by Him. And as we do, guess what will happen? The natural outcome of a deeply formed life is a life on mission. Because as we draw closer to Christ, as we draw closer to His heart, we begin to care what He cares for. Our heart begins to hurt as God's heart hurts. And if you were to put a stethoscope to the heart of God, you would hear His heart beat with compassion for us and for those He is set to rescue from their sin. The heart of God becomes our heart. And as a result, we become missionaries to the good news of the gospel to our friends, family, and neighbors. A missionary is someone who is sent on a mission. And this is exactly what Jesus called His disciples and in turn calls us to do. Check out what Jesus says after His resurrection right before He ascends back to heaven. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Jesus sent His disciples as bringers of His message. He sends us to be bringers of His message, making us missionaries called to live on mission. Do you view yourself as a missionary? If you don't, why not? What keeps you from seeing yourself as a missionary? Do you live your life on mission? If not, why not? As we wrap up our series, I want to challenge you to begin viewing yourself as a missionary and living a life on mission. And I want to help you see this as part of the deeply formed life. Here's the first big idea for today. Number one in your notes is this, and that's that God calls imperfect people into an important mission. Perhaps one of the Reasons many times we don't feel like missionaries or don't feel like we could possibly be called by God to live on mission and be bringers of good news is simply because we don't feel good enough. We feel like we're not sanctified enough. We feel like we're still a work in progress and can't possibly do this important work. Hopefully I can encourage you a little bit this morning by reminding you who Jesus is initially speaking to in Matthew chapter 28. It's a ragtag group of people who constantly messed up, had anger issues, dealt with pride, and all abandoned Him during His journey to the cross. Some even doubted His resurrection. Yet it is to this imperfect group of people that Jesus sends to fulfill this most important mission. Check out what Jesus says is recorded in the Gospel of John. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after sending, saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his disciples, I also send you. This imperfect, motley crew of people were specifically called out and sent out by Jesus to go and make disciples. So guess what? If you feel like you're not good enough, sanctified enough, holy enough, educated enough, gifted enough, you're not. But you're still sent out by God to live a mission or life for Jesus because God calls imperfect people into a perfect mission. You know, I love what Rich Viota says about this in his book. He writes this. This is the good news of the gospel. Even when you make mistakes, don't perform, and can't get your act together, Jesus comes to you and says, I want you, I'm calling you, and I'm sending you. I don't know about you guys, but this truth fills me with so much joy. To know that I'm just an absolute mess, yet the God of the universe still not only chooses me but also invites me and mobilizes me and catapults me into his mission. I hope that this shoots electricity into your bones as it does to me. What a privilege and joy to be invited to serve alongside of God because of Jesus, through Jesus' power and for Jesus' glory, to live as imperfect people sent to a perfect and important mission. Do you struggle to see yourself as a missionary? Think you don't have what it takes? You're right, but yet God still sends you and calls you because God calls imperfect people into an important mission. Here's the second big idea for today. This is number two. Mission comes from an overflow of who we're becoming. Who we're becoming is in direct correlation to who we are in Christ. When we put our faith in Christ, we switch identities. The Bible says that before Christ we are dead in our trespasses and sin, but after Christ we're made alive. We go from death to life. While before Jesus we were identified by our sin and mistakes, our profession or vocation, our culture or heritage, our wealth or poverty, after Jesus none of those labels define who we are. We take on a new identity because of Jesus. This is what Paul helps us understand in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this: Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old passed away and see, the new has come. It is from this new identity in Christ that mission can flow. Because it is from this new identity where our priorities change, our thoughts change, our wants change. We can move from a me-centric reality to a God-centered one. And there's a spiritual growth that happens. And while it's true that no one here is perfect, and no one here has it all figured out, it's also true that God has us all on a journey where His goal is to help us become more and more like Christ. And we can't invite people into something we're not becoming. However, if we're pursuing Jesus, if we're living our lives according to God's word, then we have set into motion a process by which we can look less like the world and more like Jesus. Philippians 1 encourages us with these words, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God has started a good work in you. And since he's the one that has started it, he's the one that will see you through it. Paul says he will carry it on to completion. In other words, there's a sanctifying work that God is doing in you through the Holy Spirit. It is from this place of identity and God working in and through you that mission can be sourced. Without our identity being in Christ, then the mission can become our identity. We can allow good works and gospel proclamation to take the place of Jesus. And when we see good fruit, we can become puffed up. If there's no fruit, we can become deflated. Both responses are wrong and steal glory from Jesus. Without our identity in Christ, then the sanctification process can become our identity. We can take the journey towards holiness and allow that to take the place of Jesus. And this can build up pride and religiosity when we think we're experiencing progress And it can absolutely demolish you whenever you finally realize that you still fall short, both things potentially keeping you from mission. But mission comes as a result of who we're becoming. And who we're becoming is connected to our identity in Christ. We are children of God because of Jesus. We are saved, redeemed, forgiven, and unleashed for God's kingdom purposes. We are being formed daily into the image of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We're progressing along this journey, realizing that we will never reach perfection this side of heaven, but God is doing a sanctifying work. So from an overflow of who we're becoming, from a place of profound rootedness and connectedness to Christ, mission can be fueled. Where have you been finding your identity? Have you connected your identity to your work or unemployment? To your role as a husband or father? To your success or failures? To your popularity or your loneliness? Your identity isn't found in any of those things. It's ultimately found in Christ. And from a place of who we are and what we are becoming, we can fuel mission. We can share with our friends, family, and neighbors that this is what God wants for them as well. And our last big idea for today is this, number three, and that is that God is a missionary God. You need to understand this about God in regards to mission. And that is that God has long been on mission before we ever were. Before we are mandated by Jesus to live and engage missionally, God has been on mission to seek and save us. As you, and you can see this played out from the very beginning of the scriptures. I bet you guys never noticed this, but in the Garden of Eden, after Eve is tricked by the serpent and eats of the fruit, and after Adam also gives in to Eve's suggestion to eat of the fruit, the Bible says that they notice their nakedness and they're filled with shame. And they're disobedient, they're overcome with guilt and regret, and as a result, they hide. They disobeyed a direct command from God, and as a result, the communion they have with God is broken. The relationship and intimacy with God dissipates, not because of anything God did, and not because of the command He gave, but because of their disobedience. Now, what do you think is God's response? Does He ignore them? Does He shame them? Does He turn them to ashes? No, He pursues them. Look at how Genesis 3 documents it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? God goes to them and says, Where are you? Now, God knew exactly where they were and what they had done. There's no bush that you can hide in that He won't see you. There's no tree you can climb where He won't find you. He knew exactly where they were, yet because our God is a God who pursues, our God is a God who seeks, our God is a missionary God, He asks, where are you? And this is the heart of God. He doesn't leave us to our waywardness and our folly. He steps in. He pursues. He enters our brokenness. Rich Vyotis writes this in his book: Any notion of mission in this world must confess that God moves first. Long before we act, God has already acted. Long before we speak, God has already spoken. Long before we arrive, God has been present. So when we talk about mission, we have to begin with this fact. And that is that God is on mission first. He's been on mission the longest. The very heart of God is on a mission to rescue and save and redeem what was lost in the Garden of Eden. He's on a mission to restore us to the intimacy and relationship we had in the Garden of Eden. He's on a mission to restore creation and make all things new. And because we are made in the image of God, we can reflect His missionary heart and live an on-mission life. And this is what the entire narrative of Scripture points towards, a loving, loving, kind, merciful Father, who is powerfully, tenaciously, and fervently on mission to redeem what is His. This is what I need you to understand today. If you find yourself on the fence with your faith, if you don't know about this whole Jesus thing, if you've been inquiring or curious about the Christian faith, you need to know this, and that is that God loves you greatly, and He is ferociously pursuing you with a reckless love. He's on a mission to rescue you from your sin and to wrap you within His love, to give you a new heart and a new mind, and unleash you with His presence and power to pursue more people like you. And this is most evident in the extent by which He would step off His throne and enter His creation in the person of Jesus. Paul says this in Philippians 2, Jesus, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when He had come as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How powerful is this picture of God emptying Himself and taking on the form of a servant. The eternal, everlasting, and powerful God entered His own creation, taking on the likeness of humanity. And this is why Jesus understands you. He understands your hurts. He understands your pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be hated, rejected, outcast, and misunderstood. Why did God empty himself? The only reason is love. Because we all ate from the proverbial fruit in the Garden of Eden. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin creating an eternal chasm between us and God. But God in his goodness intervenes because he is a missionary God. So he steps in to take the punishment that was owed us for our sin. Jesus lives a perfect and sinless life to become our righteousness and uphold God's law. He's unjustly led up a hill where he carried a cross, his skin all scarred and mangled, a crown of thorns impaled into his skull and nails driven through his hands and his feet. On the cross of Calvary, with the weight of our sin upon his shoulders, Jesus bled and ultimately died for you and me. They carried him to a tomb and prepared his body for burial. A large stone was rolled in front of the tomb where he stood for three days. For three days there was silence, there was mourning, there was grief, there was defeat until Sunday morning when he who emptied himself and became obedient to death on the cross Conquered Satan's sin and death, and he rose from the grave. His resurrection, evidence of his power over the grave, and evidence of his love for you and me. So that now all who call in the name of Jesus and put their faith in him can experience forgiveness of sin, new life, and an eternity in the presence of God. And if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, our missionary God is pursuing you. And all you have to do is accept his free gift of grace made available in and through Jesus. As we continue through this new year, I want to call us to a deeply formed life. As we remain connected to the vine that is Christ, as we have Jesus be formed in us, we will begin to reflect God's heart. And at His heart, He is a missionary God who long pursued us before we ever acknowledged Him. So we surrender our lives to Him. And as we walk this Christian walk, we do so from a place of having a new identity. Walking out this new identity in Christ will fuel the mission we're called and privileged to do. We take solace in the fact that God calls imperfect people into his perfect and important mission. What a privilege and joy to be called and used by God, imperfect as we are, in progress as we are, being sanctified as we are, to live an on-mission life for the glory of God and the good of others. We are missionaries being formed by Christ. And I invite you guys to lay deep roots this year. Thank you, God, that you are a missionary God, that you pursue us long before there's even an inkling of desire from us. You love us so much that you emptied of yourself just so that we might be redeemed. Thank you for calling imperfect people like us into your mission. Help us each day grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Help us function from a place of identity in Christ so that mission can overflow from there. We are no longer what we've done, what we do for a living, or what others have said about us. We are sons and daughters of the King, all because of Jesus, and for that we are grateful. Lord, I pray you help us to lay deep roots this year. God, do a great and sanctifying work and empower us, Lord, to live on mission as a church, as individuals, for our friends, family, and neighbors, for the glory of God and the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?